Hello, and welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Building Sustainability consists of conversations with designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello. And welcome to episode 55, which is the second part of my excellent conversation with Craig White. This one focuses more on the specifics of two of Craig's companies, ModCell and Agile Homes. Uh, I'd say that you don't necessarily need to listen to them in order, but it might make slightly more sense if you head to the first part of this uh, conversation, episode 54. So before we get into it, a small update on the tiny house build. I shall be collecting in a few weeks my flooring, uh, which is from a small company called UK Hardwoods, who are from just the other side of Exmoor to me. Feels really good to be supporting a small company when I phoned them up and had a nice chat with the uh, the chap who does the soaring. He told me that I needed to get my order in soon because they're about to shut down the company so they get married and go on a honeymoon. So I like that kind of level of small. Also, I really wanted to get UK grown solid ash flooring. Um, ash is one of my favourite trees uh, with such a, a history of, of use for so many products in this country. Um, and it's now, of course, tragically being wiped out by ash dieback. So it isn't going to be around for too long. Um, there is a lovely book called The Man Who Made Things Out of Trees by Robert Penn. I think I've mentioned it before, which really nicely highlights how important the ash tree has been so yeah, I really want to honour the humble ash tree and it's handily a lighter coloured wood, which is great for my smaller space, but it's also very hard wearing and weight wise, it's lighter than uh, the sort of more common oak floor, uh, which is key for the tiny house. And most oak flooring, I think, is from Europe. So this is, is good to get the, the UK species. I also wanted it to be solid wood flooring because I'm trying very hard to avoid any chemical nasties that you can sometimes get in the lamination of plywood for engineered floors so all in all pretty pleased with that Uh, another thing i've done is i've ordered some uk cedar cladding uh, which is going around my front door uh, to break up the cork cladding uh, which wraps the rest of the house Um, this also allows me to put a little bit of the cork cladding on the inside of the building at this point Uh, which gives me some of that fantastic biophilic goodness inside. Again, I wanted to use UK wood for this. UK's grown cedar is a lot more knotty than uh, the Canadian uh, version, uh, which at first I was a little bit bit put off by, but I really wanted this house to sort of fit into the landscape. And so if that's what our local trees are doing, that's what I want to honour. Obviously, the cork is coming from portugal so uh, yeah sometimes you can't get it all right can you um so yes uh, i guess the um the bad news from this week is that the cork coming from portugal isn't going to get here for another month and a half so my hopes of finishing the exterior have been dashed or held up slightly um not to worry there's plenty more to get on with okay i think that's it from me I'm back at the end briefly. Uh, I do need to say that there is one naughty word in this episode. Uh, It's the S word. I think it's maybe the least offensive of the naughty words. But if that's going to upset you, then maybe this isn't the episode for you. Okay, enjoy Craig White. (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Eighteen plus years ago, to say 20 years ago, I think, uh, we, we first did our first prefabricated straw bale panel in 2000 or 2001. And um, I had done a lot of, like everybody, buying the books, reading, buying and reading, going and getting involved and seeing, and saw that straw was good. There, there's no, you know, straw is good. Uh, it, and it's a byproduct, co-product, all of those fantastic things. So my question was, how does this come into the mainstream? How does this move out of, uh, let's just say, uh, mid-Wales with a group of dedicated co-housing people wanting to do it? You know, how, how, how do you move it from there into uh, mainstream? And the, the challenge of the Nebraskan method of construction is you're more weather-dependent than, than other ways of building. So... Uh, and also, if you were speaking to a main contractor doing a school all out of straw, they will immediately talk about three pigs. Uh, you know, uh, how do I deal with straw? Oh my God, will it catch fire? What you know? Oh, how, so where do we store it? Would it? All of those questions and quite naturally good questions. So the mod cell uh, mod cell stands for modular cellulose. That's why it's called modular cellulose. So a straw bale is a module of cellulose. If you stack them up and put them into a wooden frame, that is a module of cellulose. The frame is timber and the insulation is straw. And so prefabrication or modern methods of construction became the journey to us answering that question, how do you bring it into mainstream use and not just uh, beautifully constructed one-offs in in lovely parts of yeah. you know rural Wales or whatever, and all of that is really good. I love I love the self-build. I love the Amish barn raising. Uh, you know, getting your hands dirty and making. But having worked in mainstream construction, just thinking, well, that, that, that's not going to fly with a tier one main contractor. They're just going to go, no, we're not doing it that way. So it was about how you bring straw bale construction into mainstream use through prefabrication and in effect all i did was if you want to put a window into a nebraskan wall you build a tube of timber and uh, and the straw goes around it i just said oh we could just reverse that and create a big tube of timber and fill it up with straw so all it is is a simple reversal of how you put a window into a low-bearing straw bale wall and i we, we just flipped it around the other way and said oh a high-performance prefabricated building system. Mm-hmm. That's 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 how Modsoft came into being. Nice. Uh, yeah. Well, I've um, so I've been to the uh, what was it? The Bale House, Bar- University of Bath. Bale House of Bath. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been in that, and I was struck by the uh, the very modern appearance of it. Um, 
Yeah. And that's something I've seen at sort of again and again from Modcell. Uh, and I've always been appreciative of that because I think the aesthetic, I bang on about this quite a lot, but the aesthetic of that sort of wobbly wall thing is great for a certain amount of people. But some people, it's a massive turnoff. And, and partly, it's also deliberate from us to say, uh, "Okay, we've got them past the idea that you could build a store. Okay, is it going to look deep green and hairy?" <laughs> <laughs> and I love deep green and hairy, but most of the construction industry doesn't do deep green or hairy. And uh, well, it doesn't do deep green or hairy. So, uh, uh, so part of it is a deliberate. Uh, journey into uh, saying the aesthetic need not be the wonderful one that comes from building organically with hands, uh, but can become an aesthetic if you want using prefabrication. And today our buildings look like whatever they, whatever the designer or we want them to look mm-hmm. like. But the Bailhouse of Bath for me is a synthesis, talking like an architect, of the system is the aesthetic. There is nothing redundant about the look or feel of the the rain screen is just where the panels join. And so the aesthetic is driven by the way we've, we've made those panels. For some, they don't like it, and that's okay. Uh, there are lots of buildings people don't like. Uh, for others, they go, oh, well, that's interesting and modern and different. And it is certainly, it was a different looking sort of building, but entirely, uh, uh, entirely dictated by... Uh, assembling panels of straw together. Yeah. I mean, so for, for the people listening, uh, can you sort of describe its its sort of overall look? Uh, so it's kind of cubic, and each face of the cube is made up of four panels. Uh, so those are the prefabricated panels of straw. And then the, the panels have what we would call uh, a solid panel, is a three-bell panel. Uh, then we'd have a two-bell panel and a one-bell window or a one-bale panel and a two-bale window. So all the windows are all set out on the module of what the straw wants to do, not what we we would like the windows to be. Uh-huh. So it kind of looks like a cube, and each face has four squares on it, some of which is solid, some of which have windows in them. And then where all the panels join, we have cedar cladding, which protects the joints, and protects the edges of the lime render and the glue lamb structure, which is the edge of the uh, uh, prefabricated panel. And so from a distance, it's cubic. As you walk up to it, it's four panels per frame. And when you walk up and look close, you can start, you can see how, how the thing is made. And the elegance for it, for me, is between inside and outside, in, inside a high-performance, low-carbon uh, space is just two materials, just lime and straw. So the internal face is lime and lime plaster, and the external face is lime render, uh, just brushed back to give it a surface. And uh, there are some other bits and pieces in it. There are wooden dowels uh, holding these bales together, as you might expect. And then we do have some stainless steel rods, which tie the top and the bottom panel together and help support the uh, they're just 10 mil. There are two 10 mil rods yeah. per face. Uh, and so that's a permanent tension setter for the panel. And uh, it's the least amount of materials other than an, an adobe wall I, I, I can imagine. Yeah, it's it's pretty minimal, isn't it? I like it. 
Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's pure. It's pure. That's what it is. <laughs> but it has an aesthetic, and not everybody likes prefabrication. And I can understand uh, people say, well, how, "How do people get involved in the making?" Yeah, uh, we we developed a system called Flying Factories. Uh, so we would say, "Yes, you can make these things. Come to a local farm, farmer's barn nearby, and we'll make the panels together." So we brought some of that Nebraskan, let's do it all together on site. We said, let's do it all together off site. And so the youngest people involved in making our panels have been six year olds, <laughs> not very productive, and there's lots of health and safety. And the oldest has been 78. Uh, and, you know, they're touching straw, they're involved with the timber and, and stuff like that. But it's not a Nebraskan method yeah. uh, uh, in, in that uh, kind of uh, community build. Yes, and the 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 module uh, the modular system. I I worked with uh, GreenCore for one of their buildings, Ian Pritchett's. All oh, right, uh, yeah. And yeah. I couldn't believe just the speed at which we, we put up a whole story of a, a big old house in a in an afternoon. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah. It was so impressive. Well, be, be, Bell House at Bath, uh, uh, the, the to get uh, weather tight. In uh, 10, 12, 11 years ago, uh, was two and a half days. Today, we do that in five hours. Fantastic. It's, it's got really fast. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's a crane and lots of guys in high-vis gear and big, big drills. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the, ba- yeah. the bail house, it's moved, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the bail house has uh, been on three locations. Right. It, it is, uh, yeah. So uh, we... Uh, the ground floor of Bale House was used on Grand Designs Live for Kevin McLeod's. Uh, um, he, he, Kevin McLeod has two shows a year, one at XL, one at NEC, pre, pre-COVID he did. And uh, that became a project working with the architects Duncan Baker-Brown. Uh, the top floor of that building was by Facet, uh, who work with CNC Cut Plywood, and we did the ground floor, and then Modsell built the whole thing. We, we we built the whole building, and the and the plan was to build it. Not the plan we did. We built a building, the house that Kevin built. It was called. We did it in a week live on television, ten eleven years ago. Then the show finished, so we got to take it down again. So we had to take it down. We put the ground floor of the Modsell panels into a Essex barn, and it was stored there for eighteen months. And then the Bailhouse at Bath research project got funded. So we then brought it from Essex to Bath, then built another, our own top floor on the top of it. Uh, the university then said, oh, our master plan says we're going to build a new building, a six-story building there. Uh, can you <laughs> demolish it? And we said, no, we're not going to demolish it. Uh, we said, yeah, you, that's your master planning problem, not our problem. So we're not moving it <laughs> unless you pay us. And then we, uh, so what we, we said, we think we can move it. We're not going to demolish it, but we could move it. So we moved it 80 meters away and it is now, uh, one of the estates department's offices. So effectively that building has been in three different places, <laughs> which demonstrates that actually that's a kind of Japanese way of thinking about buildings. Don't build for permanence, build for impermanence. In this case, build, build, design and build to move. Yeah. And, that's part of the thinking behind Agile as well. Nice. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I was curious to know if if that the design, so the mod cell design, whether it was designed 
to move? Uh, <laughs> it's six of one and half a dozen of the other is the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when, when you design for prefabrication, you have to design for ease of assembly. And then at that point, in theory, there should be a, 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 an ease of disassembly. Uh, sometimes the screw heads get kind of knackered, so you have to, sometimes that won't work. But uh, I, I, I kind of like the Japanese way of thinking that buildings are not permanent edifices and that they could be reused, relocated. And uh, so a six of one, a half a dozen of the other. We, we, I, I, I never imagined that would, it would have three lines in three different locations. Yeah. But we knew it could be. <laughs> Was there any sort of... Uh... I guess damage, or you know, was there things that that uh, didn't go back together? Yeah, or? Uh, I think that's uh, the interesting thing about prefabrication. You design for simplicity, and so when things go wrong, uh, so there are two problems there. If you've designed a system that repeats itself, if you've designed it wrong, it re- that that repeats itself. <laughs> uh, but also, they then become fairly robust things to repair because you know exactly how they're made. You, uh, I, I, if, I, if I were to name the bales in Bale House, each one gave them a name, I could tell you where they are all, all are today. The exact, so I know where they are. <laughs> I, uh, I know which one's cut in half, uh, you know, which one we had to, you know, if I, if I were thinking about that in, in that way. And at that point, that build system becomes quite robust. And we have had... Uh, we've had a project where water got into one of the panels mm-hmm. uh, in 2010 when we had the, those unbelievable one once in 200 year storms. Uh, we were building the Norwest Media Center in Bristol. The rain poured and we had 21,000 liters of water drop on top of the head of one Ooh. of our panels and it, and it got soaked. Uh, so we were able in situ just to take the straw out and put it back in. And, and the Nebraskan method will also allow you to take a bale out and put a bale in. And we've had to do that a couple of times. So, yes, uh, I, I think designing for reuse and more importantly for me, if you go truly circular, designing for all of the components to come out and find uh, a, a better life or a, a putting the nutrients back onto the earth uh, in yes. 100 years time. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, okay, well, that sort of leads us really nicely on to, to Agile um, and the, the work you're doing there. Uh, what's, well, I guess, give us the, the intro. So Agile does, uh, it, uh, it's, uh, so it's a housing solution predominantly. So we deliver low-carbon, affordable homes for people in housing need uh, faster than conventional development would normally allow and the, it's a response to the housing crisis and the climate emergency. So we are working with the similar materials, renewable carbon capturing materials, but now our innovation has moved to uh, taking the idea that buildings could be relocated um, and uh, doing it at pace and not paying for land. So there's a whole series of other stuff other than straw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we use, we design them to meet all the building regulations. They're triple glazed, super insulated, everything super airtight, all the things you'd expect. Uh, but they comply with the Caravan Act. Okay. But they're not caravans. And at that point, we can move them. 
So they are designed to be moved, at which point in planning legislation terms under the Caravan Act, they are not seen as conventional development and therefore not subject to planning regulations. Uh-huh. We, we do both. So, um, so the first one we built, we built on a microsite in Bristol in an area called Knoll West on land that was free and hidden in plain sight. And we built it in 10 weeks without planning commission. So at that point we were doing guerrilla housing, <laughs> but uh, then we invited the mayor to sleep in it, the planners, you know, and we've normalized that relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't wouldn't necessarily encourage everybody to <laughs> get into guerrilla housing. But uh, what we did was able to demonstrate that not only could you build low carbon sustainably with the right materials, you could also do it fast and you could also do it in an interesting and new way. Today, uh, we are deploying under the Caravan Act and also with full planning permission uh, applied to it. So at that point, straw is now... So I say we do four things. People-centered design where finance via grants and uh, debt and whatever can flow into projects using a process of inclusion. And then we have a product that happens to be made out of straw, super insulated and triple glaze. So uh, at that point, again, I'm circling back to systems thinking. And that is around uh, how do you change the delivery of housing in the UK, which is largely dominated by 10 volume house builders who don't have any motivation to build affordable homes. Sure, yeah. Uh, and that's fine because, you know, there's a machine for making profit. We should stop asking that machine not to make profit because it just doesn't want to. So we work in what we call the vacuum of the housing crisis and we found a way of building homes without buying land. So there's been, uh, because the housing crisis has got so bad, a lot of people are, so the tiny home movement is is rising. People are interested That's in, what I'm building, in right how right. they can, uh, fantastic. Mm. So uh, how you can build a, a, a more compact way of living. And perhaps t- tiny homes don't always need to move, but in, in America, that's kind of where it ca- came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't always need to be the case. So the, the, the challenge that I saw was uh, you cannot get affordable homes to be delivered by a machine designed to make profit. You can't. It's, uh, it, you're banging your head against the wall. Yeah. So uh, a developer does three things. That's all they do. They buy their land, they build their hardware, their homes, and they sell them for as much money as they can. So it's buy, build, land. Buy land, build your home, sell. Buy, build, sell, buy, build, sell. And that machine will keep on making money for buying Range Rovers and things like that. So uh, for me, uh, postcode, I can't influence postcode. So that's a kind of societal thing. So I can't, I can't change how people think about Clifton or, or Noel West or, or whatever. That's people uh, that do that. So then ha- uh, the reason I call housing hardware in, in terms of how you build it, hardware has a fixed cost. Uh, a brick costs roughly what a brick costs. Uh, the big boys get 10% discount, maybe 15% discount, but it's a largely a fixed cost. And, and everybody thinks there must be a magic way of building cheaper. There isn't. Not if you're trying to meet today's carbon mm-hmm. challenge. You can't. It it's just can't be done. Even building with straw. Yeah, you know, maybe with polystyrene, but that's poisonous. So um, then the only thing left is land. So I simply ask the question, 
could you do a development model that doesn't buy land? And the answer is yes. Uh, can you not pay for land? Yes, you can. And that is a, a land assembly attitude towards who owns land. And the biggest owner of land in the country, other than the oligarchs and the ancients uh, families, is the state. And uh, when, a lo- when a local authority or a council says it owns land, it doesn't. Uh, it, it, it has a, a, a fairly exotic landlordship relationship to land, which is state-owned, and the local authority is effectively a landlord of that. And, and, and you know, we know this so that when a local authority wants to sell a parcel of land, that local authority, unless it's delegated powers, has to ask the Secretary of State for permission to dispose the land. And so you go, okay, stop talking to councils. Let's go up to the state and ask who owns that. Uh, we do. We own that. <laughs> the Secretary of State is the custodian of state-owned land. So who is it? It's us. It's society that owns it. And then there was a wonderful piece of legislation brought by a conservative MP called Richard Bacon, which is the Custom Building Community Housing Act of 2016, which insists that all local authorities in England must create a register of land that they own, which would be preferentially offered to uh, communities to do self-build, co-housing, community-led housing. And you start to go, okay, so, so there's this possibility of a land supply. And then the local authority is obliged to uh, achieve something called best value when it disposes of its assets. Uh, best value doesn't mean the highest price because the local authority has a statutory obligation to work on behalf of the community it represents. So it's meant to do good things. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you can therefore have land transferred from state ownership via a local authority to community-led housing goods at uh, groups at social value, which in, in reality means a pound. Fantastic. And we have four projects where land has been transacted at one pound to uh, community-led housing groups, and that uh, that that is that's the land supply. Then, if you put uh, homes that don't use foundation, so you don't glue the home down to the ground, but have the potential of attaching it to the ground and detaching it then it's it's considered different in planning terms. Mm-hmm. And then you create two asset groups. The land can be held in trust by the community and then the housing can be supplied by agile homes. Uh, and we do the enabling. We do all the joining of those dots up. We do the, the piece of work. So at this point, we're not talking straw. We're talking about the equitable access to land at nil or zero, uh, low or zero cost. And at that point, we're innovating in finance and land assembly as much as we've ever innovated in building the straw. Yeah. And that is what Agile Homes is. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right. And I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. 
So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Crikey. It's a big, big piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't just make that up. That's about 20 years work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, 20 years trying to go, shit, how do, we, how, how do we do this? How can we build better? How can we build more affordably? How can we build equitably? Yeah. How can we deliver social outcomes and things like that? So uh, that's, a, a lot, that's almost my working career has been trying to work out that stuff. Excellent. And that's what Agile is. Well, it sounds like you've, uh, you've hit on a... A, a good solution. Thank you. We're not the only people who know this world, uh, but in terms of perhaps all the different moving parts of that, we're probably fairly unique in terms of bringing all of those things together. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know when this is going out, but I, you know, we're a startup company, we've got investment, and our big news over the summer will be Crisis, the homelessness charity, is investing in Agile. Not because we're a homelessness housing providing business it's just that model is so powerful in terms of taking costs out of delivering homes for people who need them that we can actually deal with homelessness which is the most challenging space to deliver affordable outcomes wow so you heard that's a that's a scoop you heard it here first people Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Crisis is investing in agile, oh, and we, we we think that's brilliant. Yeah, I think so too. I, it's interesting. Uh, I the affordability, especially with uh, straw. I think that straw bale building has been sort of marketed by lots of people as this affordable housing option, and I think it's well quite often mismarketed. Uh, it's misleading, I think, because people just assume. Natural materials cheap, and then they ask someone to build it for them, and it, yeah, they're surprised when it costs lots and yeah. lots of money, uh, or com- yeah, not lots and lots of money, but a, a reasonable amount of money because they, they've been sold this idea. But it seems like you're yeah. um, genuinely kind of giving that option. Uh, so our build costs are no cheaper or expensive than the industry would deliver for our high performance mm-hmm. uh, building. Fabric, so it's not we don't we don't build cheap, we just don't pay for land, and that takes between forty and sixty percent of your development costs for building a home in which you can put a key in the front door and have somebody live in it. That's that land supply at no or low cost is transformative in terms of affordability. So don't tell Taylor Wimpy and Barrett's that's our secret. I'm sure they, they, they would never to seek to. They, no, no, and they would never. You know, they they make money in a very easy way, uh, and they're very comfortable making their money in their easy way. We're just going to, we're just going to disrupt that. Yeah, very powerfully. <laughs> Excellent. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed. I think you just got planning on uh, going up. Building on top of the the roof yeah. of I forgot the building now, but Emmaus, uh, the homelessness charity in Bristol, Emmaus. Yeah. Uh, yes, so we just got uh, in March. Well, it's not just got in March, April. We got planning approval to build fifteen a community of fifteen affordable homes on the rooftop of the Emmaus uh, offices and warehouse in St Paul's in Bristol. 
And again, this is this thing about uh, land that's free uh, at free and hidden in plain sight. Yeah. So flat roofs is land with a building underneath it. <laughs> so uh, we, we've done proposals for car parks you know, with the demise or the death of retail, as the economists call it. Uh, there are lots of multi-story car parks where the top floor is locked off because that, you get antisocial behavior. So with Emmaus, uh, building up on flat surfaces, uh, because we don't use foundations, because our, the TAM, as we call them, the, our agile homes, uh, have independent structures to allow them to comply with the Caravan Act, uh, that means we can literally pick them up and place them on top of existing structures. And we don't need to drill into those. We do need to fix them, but we don't need to, you know, there are no foundation requirements mm-hmm. because they come with their own foundations, as it were. Yeah. And uh, that, once you get your eye in, you get, ooh, you can, there's land that's free and hidden in plain sight everywhere. And we've got to do that appropriately. We've got to do that with the community. Uh, so uh, Emmaus is a community-led housing project working with, what Emmaus called companions, people who, who have ex, uh, lived experience of homelessness. And uh, uh, they were co-designers of that, that space. And most of the commercial world is will go up and do apartments with a corridor down the middle. Corridors down the middle, they're, they're soulless, antisocial spaces, often filled up with pizza uh, flyers, and, and it can be quite scary. So we, we, there are no corridors on this development. What there are is a collection of buildings and homes with little courtyard spaces in between, which become the shared courtyard gardens for the community themselves. And if, if you go to our website, there's a flyover, which starts inside one of the courtyards with a picture of butterflies and stuff, and then zooms out. And you can see there are 15 homes, and this is a community on the rooftop of an existing building. Again, all made with straw, but again, at that point, the, the straw now is a kind of given solution, but what we're now doing is innovating in how communities can come together and make the spaces they're going to live in. Fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to know, uh, I mean, I assume that you, what you're just going to take a very big crane and, and just sort of truck these, these buildings in and then lift them up yeah so we, we we can build in two ways we can build flat pack or modular so modular is already assembled uh a, a modular is a very expensive way of building because you have to have ex- very big cranes mm-hmm. you know a, a, a two-bedroom home by us weighs 32 tons okay that's a big crane lifting up so what we do is we've ikea flat pack them in but they're designed to be moved out afterwards if you want to do that. So the cheaper way is we optimize the build by building flat pack, but you still get the opportunity to move them afterwards, which is a future problem, not a not a capital problem yeah. today. Um, and then what sort of uh, time frame do you expect that, that to go from? So... Uh, so that project was because uh, uh, it's community-led housing project. We got community housing grant to do that. So it's now got planning approval. So uh, Jessica Hodge, the CEO of uh, Emmaus and her team, uh, trustees of the charity, are now building up a strategy about how they will bring 
the rest of the funding in. They've got some of it, but not all of it. And then, uh, so we would hope that by the end of this year, we should be moving into the next stage, which is the making and fabricating and delivery, hopefully for uh, some time next year. Brilliant. And the actual kind of, you know, standing up the, the walls and, and sort of building it, how how quickly do you reckon that, that uh Oh, uh, so it's uh, so we've just done a one-bedroom uh, shell uh, in five hours. So there are 15, 15 times five hours. No, it's not that. It won't be that quick. <laughs> uh, so, uh, just a so long weekend. What, what happened? Yeah. So what what happens? There are two types of rooftop developments. One where the roof is strong enough to hold the weight, and ones where they're not. So what we do is engineer a table. So effectively, there's a very lightweight table that goes up and over to create a platform. That, so that'll happen first. Then we bring in the flat pack build systems. So the, once we've built the frame, the table, the flat pack uh, for 15 homes, I think we will get those up and uh, weather tight within two, two months. Then there's the painting, direct, decorating and electrics and things like yeah. that. So it goes fast, then it goes more traditionally but uh, we should be able to do it faster than conventional development. Fantastic. That's so good. And, and who did you say the, the occupants are going to be? So, uh, so Emmaus is a, a charity that originates out of France and is a charity that does not have an endowment. So it, 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 it restores furniture and white goods. It has a, uh, sh- a shop. Uh, functioning, so it's a revenue-generating charity. Uh, the, the 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 people the, who have had lived experience of homelessness are called companions. They 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 engage with the making, restoration, etc. So half of the homes will go to companions uh-huh. of Emmaus. The other half will go to people in housing need in Bristol, and it'll all be done at uh, local housing uh, authority rents. So uh, affordable rents. Fantastic. So uh, we, we we anticipate seven will be occupied by formerly formerly homeless people. Uh, the other uh, seven and a half or whatever eight will be by uh, people Bristolians. Brilliant. Oh, uh, it's solving many problems, creating you know great great things on many levels. I'm uh, I'm a big uh, fan. Yeah, and. I, your your work looking at uh, a tiny home solution for you to live in is you acting individually working within the systems you have to do that so all we do is multiply that up mm-hmm. and say how do we help others do that as well so uh, i think our work is is rooted uh, in the same soil your project is rooted how do you uh, you know uh, imagine how I, how do i as an individual create shelter for myself and tiny, tiny, a tiny home is one of the ways where you can have control of that. And I think that's fabulous. All I know is not everybody's like Jeffrey. Uh, I hope not. The, some of their challenges would not allow in their life, their experience, their know-how wouldn't allow them to mm-hmm. imagine that they might be able to do that, let alone kind of, you know, haul the way through their planning processes. So we, we effectively... Uh, in investor language, we're a middleware solution, joining up how you make things to how people need homes and trying to work the material, the finance, the land, 
the legal aspects of all of that. So uh, our work innovates as a, as a thin layer, but joins joins people up to where their homes might be. Lovely. So we're now we're now miles away from straw bale. Well, that's it. <laughs> I wanted to say to you. Uh, so I've noticed. I saw your videos that you've gone away from straw bale. You're doing loose straw. Yes. Why? Why the change? Uh, so. Okay, so straw bales are fabulous, but the number one question everybody asks is, how big is a bale and how do you work to the module of bales? And uh, that is fabulous. It's also a tyranny, a tyranny of, you know, is the baler going to give us the same bale size? Will it be at the right density, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And also uh, conventional uh, uh, bales are starting to become less common mm. as farmers go to uh, round bales and heston bales and the, the bigger bales because they, they just want to manage all of that more efficiently. So actually bales are becoming a little bit boutique, the, 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 the kind of one meter by whatever size bales. And also the number one question we would get from commercial developers who go, we think it's great, but your walls are so higher than the building regulations require. Can you make them thinner? And so you can turn a bale on its side. Yes, you can shave bales. You can cut a bale in half, at which point you're just spending too much time. And then you go to chop straw. Uh, And at that point, we can have whatever wall thickness we want so uh, uh, an agile home, we call them TAMs. So the floor and roof would comply with the passive house standard, but our wall, which is where we want to maximize human occupation, is thinner. And then we go with triple glazing. So we, we optimize, and I couldn't do that with a bale system. So we are doing it with chopped straw. And what we have found, we've just done, again, this is an exclusive, we've managed to improve the U-value uh, that we can get from chop straw uh, over and above uh, conventional bales because conventional bales are in the control of a farmer making them, not us. Yeah. Now, at that point, you don't get that lovely, let's lift bales in, let's, you know, you don't get that what every child wants to do when it sees some bales is stack them into a house and a home. You don't get that, but we are still working with uh, renewable materials with all the benefits. And we are actually able to creep up the U-value to a higher level. And then, because we then use compressed straw board. Yeah. So we are are using even more straw than we were before. uh, But the compressed straw board and chopped straw combination allows us to vary the wall thicknesses to suit. So uh, we still build with bales. But we are building less with bales today than we have yeah. um, ever done. Yeah. Um, and so, is it? Are you are you blowing it in like you would do a, a sort of cellulose type? No, we found uh, uh, blowing. Uh, you've got to get a consistent length, mm-hmm. uh, which is optimal for settlement. Is uh, this is top secret? Twenty millimeters. There you go. <laughs> Uh, another exclusive 20 millimeters is the optimized size for chopping straw and then you are making sure that it, you you understand its settlement therefore you have to put in a, a particular density and uh blowing straw you get something called lensing okay so you could blow in and it goes in too dense in a little block and then not dense enough somewhere else so what we do is we build our pa- the panels on their back, 
Uh, the chop straw comes to us de-dusted, clean, no no weeds, no stones, no nothing in it because it's animal bedding, basically. Uh, they are uh, another secret one. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it comes pre-bagged. We know the density of the bag. We know the size of the panels. And we just say, we need to get straw in at this density in t- across the whole of that. So the panels are on the back. The, 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 the straw is poured in and then fluffed and then over oversized and then when you put the compressed straw board panels on top it compresses it down to the density we need then it can stand up and the straw won't settle yeah and we've done we, we did uh, a very boring 18 month test on shaking straw <laughs> to find out what it's what its settlement rate is yeah so uh the density of the straw goes in to overcome the settlement fantastic so it's it's not as pure, and for some people, you know, uh, who build traditionally in straw, they might go, "This is heresy," um, and uh, I, I understand that. But I know I can get affordable homes into people's hands yeah. using that technique. Well, it's something I've yeah. been I've been saying for a while, uh, noticing that on a you know the sort of more artisan stacking bales, plastering them uh, style build that. Uh, you spend nearly half the build plastering, and you know, if you attach a cost to that, it's it's you know, it's it's a big cost, and so that's yeah. my and, my uh, thoughts was blown in seemed to also make sense. I th- or sorry, not blown in. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's great because that is people learning how to make, being involved, and making, and also often not getting paid because they're learning and, uh, you know, it's like a, an experiential thing mm-hmm. for, for lots of people. And uh, to, you can't scale that. That's hard to scale. You can't b- do a build system that relies on uh, an element of volunteering. Uh, uh, you can to some extent, but it won't build the number of homes uh, uh, that we need. So I'm always, I'm kind of driven about that question about how do you bring this wonderful material sets into the mainstream yeah and then um i mean i guess it's the standard old question um loose fill straw is how are you are you putting it into a sort of sealed container like so so i'm thinking of air and fire and uh you know, oh, the usual so, questions. Uh, yeah so we're, we're a closed panels solution mm-hmm. and uh at that point the the closing of the panel brings the fire uh, uh, compartmentation so uh, 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 so we, we fire rate to whatever standard people need but typically for a vertical wall it's one hour mm-hmm. at that point we're relying on uh, so we don't use plasterboard we use firmicide. Uh that's just another kind of material choice we, we make uh, so it has 30 minutes then the compressor board has 30 minutes and then at that point uh, you will have got people out of the building safely uh, that's long enough for the fire engines to uh, arrive and do their thing. And um, uh, yes, so chop straw, once you've burned through that hour of protection, it uh, we found it in two things. It either falls out or it just stays there and chars. Right. So a straw bale, as a bale, has a char rate. And even when the elastic has gone, oh, sorry, the twine, not the elastic, the twine on a bale, when it goes in a fire test, the, the bale kind of holds itself together. Uh, chop straw, compressed, does have a bit of hold, but it will cascade out, at which point it's just, you know, it's 
is burning. Yes. But yeah. we will have got people safely out of the building. Fantastic. Um, as one other thing I noticed is that uh, you, you've switched to clay plasters internally. Uh, uh, yes, because when you go to a uh, compressed straw board, you are dry lining. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to work out how you uh, are you putting a, a, a second layer of plaster or, in our case, Firmacell. And then uh, Firmacell can be self-finished and uh, the, um, the uh, clay plaster we apply to the partitions, which are compressed straw board. So we're using plaster only on the partitions uh-huh. because the Firmacell is the is the lining of the external walls. Um, and we moved uh, lime plaster on, lime render and plasters on straw bale. It has to be about 40 millimetres thick. And it's, it's, it's quite an expensive way to seal a wall. And so the, the economies of that drove us towards dry lining containing. It also allowed us to use chop straw. Uh, so there was a whole series of steps so we can still do lime plaster but, uh, or lime renders, but uh, the, the price of those is higher than mm. using our uh, new system. Or we, have, we have three ways of building the straw. And, uh, and then you then move to clay plasters for partitions because we're now, you know, that, that's aesthetic. It's moisture managing and, and, and stuff like that. And it's better than plaster. Yeah. I, mean, I think everyone should clay plaster the walls. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the go-to choice for me. I wish it was a more popular or more common thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, then, then the kind of, it's also, you, you touch these materials differently to gypsum plaster. There is something... Uh, 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 this goes back to the human-centered design. There's something intuitive about these material sets. So, for example, uh, glue lamb timber frame buildings, columns and uh, uh, etc., and steel framed ones and concrete ones, people touch timber, they don't tend to touch steel, uh, other, unless you're an engineer. So uh, there is something about humans and materials about what we want, what we're happy in uh, touching, and that brings us back to health, well-being, and sick building syndrome, and yeah. working with natural materials. So, there is something. Some some people say it's spiritual. I I, I it, can, it can be, and I'm happy for people to talk that way. Other ones, it's just better than materials, and you want to touch good good stuff. People just intuitively want to touch nice things. Yeah, and clay, timber, uh, lime, plaster, all fall into that that category. Lovely. Yeah, it's sort of, um, uh, I've been looking a lot at sort of biophilic design and biophilia and, you know, that, that sort of, you know, people are happier when they are contained in natural materials and they can see them. And, you know, just the grain on some wood is, is sort of enough to trigger that, that sort of biophilic response. Um, and so, yeah, I see that a lot. You know, people, when you, when they walk into a natural house, they normally say it feels different, you know, the, the sort of the un, un yeah. sort of quantifiable feeling. Um, and I think that's them responding to, to just natural sort of stimulus, I think. I think so. And I think uh, the most common word we get for our buildings is calm. Uh, uh, this, this is obviously an anecdotal 
qualitative expression. Uh -huh. And I think what it is, is there is a combination of things that are happening that uh, make people use the word calm. There is something about acoustics in straw bales. I think that's to do with its mineral content and the thickness of the wall and its ability to diffuse. Then there's, we were talking moisture. And so I like uh, that calm. Uh, it sounds like a very subjective word, but I think it is a combination of a lot of, I think there's a lot of science in there. <laughs> and we need to understand the science of these things. And then uh, we can... Uh, I think once we start, if we can unpack some of that, we can start to quantify and deliver more of it. For others who say, don't unpack the magic. You can't unpack magic. <laughs> <laughs> so I could say, well, that's fine. Uh, we'll do both. You can have the magic and we'll try and work out what's going on. Because if we can work out what's more going on, we can do more of it. Yes, we can create the magic at will. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> So many thanks to Craig for being an excellent guest, uh, giving us exclusive info uh, and for just generally being great fun. Uh, as per usual, the show notes have links to all the stuff we've talked about. Uh, so be sure to check those out. And if this is your first time here, uh, be sure to subscribe and have a look through the previous episodes. Uh, I think if you've enjoyed Craig, you'll enjoy a lot more in there. Um, and if you would like to support the show financially, go to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. Also, remember that sharing is caring. So get this episode shared as far as possible and show that you care. That's it. Thanks for listening. You are the best. <laughs>